0: going to be in Romans chapter 7, Steve. Okay. you're going to be in Romans chapter 7. I'll let you know when we're when we going to read the book. I'll let you know in the week in advance on Sunday. I'm just going to give them out of my hand. Um. So what is work? When I say obligation, when you do something out of obligation, tell me how, what that means to you. hmm you
2: required to do it. Dedicated. Dedicated. You got an order to do
0: it. Yeah. What you say?
2: You're you're ordered to do. You have an order to do. Okay. You're obliged to do.
0: Okay. Well, let me do it like this. What's the difference between obligation and duty? Obligation and duty. Doing something out of obligation. Doing something out of duty.
1: One to me. Okay. One is kind of a. Duty to me is something somebody else has told you to do. This is your duty to do
0: this. Right. So you have to. You you need to do it or you have to do it?
1: You have to do it.
0: Okay. An obligation?
1: Obligation is you're dedicated.
0: It's kind of a... So an obligation is... Well, I like what you said. A duty is normally imposed upon you by someone else. It can be imposed upon you by yourself, but a duty is normally a system telling you what to do or something higher <laughs> than you telling you what to do and you have to do it mm-hmm. to participate in the system. Right. Obligation means that I've decided to obligate myself to doing something so I need to keep my word.
1: Right.
0: Right. See, obligation means that I've decided now, you can get a duty and then obligate yourself to the duty, but I just want to for, for, you'll see where I'm going in a minute. Now, when you're in a relationship with God, some of people do it out of obligation. They've made a commitment, that's the relationship. Some people know they're supposed to do it, because that's what we say, we read right? right? You're supposed to do it. They do it out of duty. But there's a better way to have a relationship. That's better than obligation, that's better than duty, what you think that is.
2: Do it out
0: of love. love. Do it out of love. Do it because you want to. You do it. See, obligation, you need to, or want to, have to. Duty, you have to. Me to But if the relationship you have with God should be beyond that, because in obligation, there's a law. In duty, there's a law. In love, there is no law. And so, even in our relationship with each other, my relationship with, with you is not because of my title or my position. It's simply because I love you. I want to be with you. I want. I don't feel obligated to come to church, right. and I don't feel it's my duty to come to church. Mm-hmm. I come to church because I want to come to church, and that makes it a lot easier for five o'clock in the morning <laughs> because I want to. Because sometimes you know we'll 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 the word derelict in your duties. Mm-hmm. You'll be derelict, and you know, and you, know you lie. You obligate yourself to something you had no you had no intentions of doing what you're supposed to do. But when you love something, when you love something, somebody, situation, you'll tend to go the extra mile to get things done. The same thing with you giving it with your money. Yeah. Don't give money to this church because, as you know, you're obligated. You're not. Don't give it because you've got a duty to perform. You're not. He said, I love a what kind of giver? Cheerful. A cheerful, cheerful giver. God wants you to get to the point where any interaction with people and with your local body is because you want to. And when you learn how to want to give, then you can go beyond 10% because you're not stuck there. You're not like, okay, I, when I get there, I'm done. You don't care. Because you understand the principle that God has is you can't beat him giving. He will pour into you. You will have, have lack if it's truly out of love. Now, if you're trying to show off like Ananias and Sapphira was doing, then you 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 messing up. A lot of people, you know, and I, and I would hate to see this in the church, but I, I know there's a few yeah. left <laughs> who look at giving like a they glad I don't talk about money. Yeah. Because what it'll do is just like we learned the law, we are gonna learn the law. Once I put it out there about money, the assumption is there's somebody what not giving it. Not but if I never say anything, that don't help either. You would think that because I give you freedom, you know what we got to do. You would do it because what you love, love. Now And again, it, it goes beyond money. It goes in the whole by whole relationship. So what we're going to do is talk about that today in Romans seven, that when there's a law, we've learned that where there's law, there is no liberty where there's law. There's only death where there's law. We're confined. We're bound where there's law. There's no freedom. Where there's law, I'm a slave to the law which actually condemns me but don't give me a remedy to how to get free. All the law points out is my inability to be able to do it and says that I am condemned because I can't do it. But in Christ Jesus, what we learned in the sanctification process, because he died on the cross, we are what? Free. free. And those who we have set free is what? Free. Free, indeed. Free, indeed. free indeed. So what we have to do is, since we're not We're changing one slavery for another slavery, but to this slavery, we are freer to move and have liberty within the bounds of his love and his grace. We do not live outside of grace. Nobody, even the heathen, is living inside of grace. The heathen just don't appreciate it. You should. So, So you should live your life with thanksgiving and out of duty and obligation. Your relationship to God should be out of what he's done for you not because the Bible tells you so <coughs> the Bible tells you so but for us the Bible shows us how much he loves us and therein lies the difference the Bible shows us everything that we need to know about good being good and godly And we must, the Bible says we must learn to do good so in learning to do good we do it with thanksgiving we don't do it begrudgingly. we don't do it with an attitude We don't don't do anything inside the body of Christ with an attitude because Christ don't need your attitude. And he don't need your money and he don't need your worship. He got angels worshiping him every day. But he would love to have it because he's been so good to you. So we're going to talk about in the background. I just want to see what you guys say, what obligation duty and doing things out of a thanks give thankful heart. Different ways approach the same thing. So, let's go back to 71.
2: Or do you not know, brothers, for I am speaking to those who know the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives?
0: Now, the law, he talked to the Jews, right? He talked to people who know the law. So he's he's, he's going back. Paul is always, at times, jumping from Jew to Gentile. Right now, he says, the brothers that know the law, you know he's talking about the Jews. He said, don't you know that the law is binding as long as what? He should, as long as something lives. Now he's going to give the example. We got an example of, of Abraham, and now he's going to use marriage as an example. It's not, this is not a marriage chapter. He's using it as a comparison. A lot of preachers preach this chapter and say, this is a marriage chapter. No, this is a chapter comparing being bound that's what he's talking about. He's talking about being bound. So he's giving an example of how binding the law is. And there's nothing on the planet that God has created more binding than what? Marriage. Okay? Not more money than marriage. Okay, read on.
2: For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives. Mm-hmm. But if her husband dies, she is released from the law of marriage.
0: Now, and the husband's bound see a husband that, is, that doesn't know the word of God and the spirit of God will use this to say see the Bible says you're bound to me That's right. but if I'm bound to you you're bound to me so So let's not take this as a male show this thing but what you have to realize is in that culture at that time males could do what they want to do right. even though the law told them what to do it was a common practice for a man to have a wife and then he had a prostitute, or he had some other women. For instance, I'm gonna give you for instance. Remember, we talked about Rahab the harlot, right? Okay. Now I've got to open your mind with this. Who said that Rahab was a harlot? From what perspective did that was that written? No, no, no. Other than male. What perspective? What thought perspective was that written from? Okay there you go what you say so God called Rahab a harlot she was but in her time we see the kind of relationship she had with the society that she lived in she was a, a shopkeeper an innkeeper a barkeeper and had, had a house because God said I'm going to save you and your house she was a boss she would be considered a boss chick now by society she wasn't a harlot she was a working girl Women did that back then, and it was legal. She was not doing anything illegal when it came to her culture. You follow what I'm saying? But when God looked at her, he described her as a harlot. But when they looked at her, because when the king called her and asked him a question, he didn't say, go get Rahab the harlot. It's go get Rahab. You follow what I'm saying? So if culture looks at you one way, God looks at you another way. We know God is right, but I just want to point out to you that you have to read it in the context of culture that's where I got you this book that we're going to study, learn how to study the Bible even more that's a lesson that we're going to work on it's like you've got to read the Bible as a historical book and say okay, why would they say something like that and not say men because it was a man dominated society and in the, even in the Jewish culture even though they knew the law in the Roman culture, I got to remember you got the Jewish culture and you got the Roman culture going on at the same time the Roman culture said a man can do anything he wants to do even though he's married so you could be a Jew and know the law. Then, if you got Roman citizenship or you live in Roman culture, you could say, "Well, forget the law. We'll do what Romans do." Okay. So this Bible says that the law tells Jews which should super, supersede their cultural ties. That there's a bind, a binding, an attachment that cannot be broken while both of them live of marriage, husband to a wife. So that's where you hear some of these churches say if you ever get married again, your spouse ain't dead you commit sin based on this chapter. But this chapter is not here to tell you that. This chapter is compared you being bound to what? Sin. Yes, you do, you do commit adultery if you, if you marry someone else and you still marry. Yes, this Bible is true that while your spouse lives yeah, that's spirit, the law of spirit. We know we're cornal. We know the we're nowhere cultural. Our culture says you can get divorced for anything you want. It used to be you had to go to court and fight. Now what they say, you ain't gotta fight, it's no no contest, y'all can't get together. Irreconcilable differences, just divide the property. And pay the child support and do something with the kids. But because of that, it's good on one end, because what they did is try to solve the problem in the culture of the court being bogged down. What he said, she said. Witnesses coming in, all that they said. Well, look, we're gonna do. We're gonna we're gonna make it faster to get a divorce. But sometimes faster don't mean better, because sometimes some of these families could stay together. They just got some good counseling. Okay, so we have the binding of marriage. Now think about the binding of marriage. Go ahead.
2: Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive.
0: Now think about this. It didn't say nothing about her marrying another man. It said if she what. Lives. Lives with another man. She will be considered adulteress. While her husband is still alive. Alright? Now you got to remember, keep the comparison in the back of your mind. And we go ahead and we're comparing this, he's gonna compare this to sin, being bound to sin. Go ahead.
2: But if her husband dies, she is free from that law. And if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress.
0: Now we read in chapter seven, we supposed to be what to sin. Yeah. Dead to sin. So if what we're dead to is truly dead to us, we are free to pursue other things. You follow me? So what's our issue? If God, if Jesus died and gave us the ability, the capacity, and the authority to be dead to our sin, then what's the rub? What's the problem? What's the problem? He gave you the power, the authority. Do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies. That that means means you have the power to take control over what reigned over you, controlled you, was Lord over you. You were married to. Not only were you born in it, you were married to it. You had an affection for sin. You loved sin. And sin loved you. But the only thing about loving sin and sin loving you, the byproduct of loving sin and loving you is what? Death. Death. Complete separation from God. Don't think about the body being destroyed. That's gonna happen. Just think about once that body destroyed, your soul go to hell. You don't know what darkness is like without God. Nobody in this world, nobody on this earth know what it's like to not have God. But you will know if you don't accept Jesus Christ. So we got we got the comparison going on. Don't you know that when the when that husband dies, she's free to marry another. You're free to marry another. That's what he's saying. He's saying he's going to compare it to. Go ahead.
2: Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through See? the body of Christ.
0: See, that likewise is the transition in comparison. In comparison, likewise is like in comparison. Likewise, read it again.
2: Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God
0: so in other words you should be dead to sin you're no longer married to sin even though you were born in it Christ died so you wouldn't have to be married to sin and because you're married to sin now you could be attached to who Jesus and because you're attached to Jesus now you can bear fruit for him so if you're not bearing the fruit we talked about in the sermon, Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, self-control, all of that, then you might have but still be married to something that's dead. Can you be, can you imagine? There are some women, and I've seen this, I haven't seen any men, and I'm just saying I've seen this in a woman. I'm not saying men don't do this, I'm sure they do. I have an auntie, aunt Sophronia, and she was married to my Uncle Buddy. And this was when I was a kid. And I love my aunt Saffronia. I never, I don't remember my Uncle Buddy. Supposedly he died when I was five. But Asafronia had so much memorabilia around the house with his picture, his likeness, his stuff, that if you didn't know better, you walked to your house or talking to him. Guess what you think? My buddy's still alive. She talked about him in the present tense. So imagine if he died when I was five. Imagine when I'm 16. And like I say, her she was very sane, but she loved him so much that she couldn't bear losing him. And, of course, she didn't date nobody else. She wore her wedding ring, and she said, my husband's name is Buddy. And, you know, uh, there were some men in church used to ask about, because they knew that Buddy had died. What's up with your auntie? She loved Buddy so much. Okay? But I'm saying, she loved what was dead and gone. It couldn't. Buddy couldn't do anything for her. You know, he took care of what she needed financially. But I'm saying... She was free to move on, and she chose not to. Now that may seem romantic to you, but I want to put it in the likewise. Likewise with sin, some of us are holding to on, on the stuff that we should should be dead to us, and stinking to us, and we know it doesn't benefit us. Something was saying, I catch little things, and I ponder on things. Uh, uh, Niece, you were told do what you want to do, right? On some things. Yeah. And really, this is what the thought process is. This is the unspoken word that was to you. Do what you want to do, even if it's dead, just because you want to do it. It wasn't do what was right. It was do what you want to do. Meaning, think about this. If I say do what was right, you know I'm not talking about do what's wrong, right? right? But if I say do what you want to do, I'm kind of implying that I know that you want to do what? Wrong. See, I see through all that.
1: that. <laughs> Yes,
0: baby, I do Your, your, your pop-up do see through that That's right, I do Because I'm like, mm. It was fascinating when she, to- when she told me that Because I'm like Okay, I get it And I know she probably didn't get it Because it sounded good Do what I want to do mm-hmm. You know how we get when you do what I want to do
1: <laughs>
0: You know, get the body back and forth You know But the thing about it is If what I want to do is not right, I have reattached myself to something that's dead and walked away to something that's alive. Mm -hmm. Jesus is very biased. He only wants what's right for you. So he wants you to be married to him. And he doesn't want you to commit adultery. He doesn't want you to go back to what is dead. And he don't want you to move on to the, the, the demons that are alive. He wants you to stay with him. Be faithful to him. When we talk about spiritual adultery, that's what we're talking about. When you are married to Jesus, which we are because the Bible says we're his bride, when we're married to Jesus, and we go out and worship other things, cover other things, figure that other things are better than him, like Carolyn was saying, sometimes food become our God, and we can't do without our food, and we can't do without this. We never say we can't do without Jesus. We never can say that. But we should be able to say that, Lord, take everything away from me, but don't take your spirit. That's what David said. When he seen against Bathsheba, he said, Lord, you have all this king stuff. Just don't take your spirit away from me. And see, because the reason why you won't say it isn't it's not that you can't say it. You haven't had enough experience that God is so good to you that you like, He's better than anything I ever had. You can have my car, you can have my house if it brings you glory. Even up to the, you can take my life if it brings you glory. Paul had reached a point where he had an experience with God and went up to the third heaven. So he said, I can't even explain it, but I tell you what, I'd rather be there than here. But it's for your benefit that I'm here. So time marches on. And then Paul couldn't wait when he said, I'm poured out like a drink offering. Paul didn't die. Paul got his head chopped off. But saints, we got to understand you are bound to Jesus now. You are bound to the Holy Spirit. You you do what's right. You don't sit there and let somebody trick you by saying you do anything you want to do because they're actually just telling you you can do what you want to do even if it's wrong and it's okay with me. But it's not okay with the person I'm married to. You see what I'm saying? You know, I told y'all about what happened with uh, B B here. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I responded right, but then what do I do? I don't play with it. I don't be re-invited. Stay away, because I know your motives. No phone call, no text, no nothing. Just stay away from me. Because the Bible says flee what? Fornication, don't it? Half the time, we're too busy trying to fight something we should be running from. Because we think we tough. And really, he's tough in us but he gave us wisdom and some stuff you just need to turn your back to. Let them see the backside of you. Don't let him. Quit trying to stand there and argue with somebody that's, that's meant to pull you down. Like I said, that little that lady that wrote about the chair. Yeah, I think that's for everybody. Sometimes we're trying to pull up people that's too heavy. Too late in sin. You ain't supposed to do nothing but tell them the gospel and let God do the heavy lifting. Okay? Go ahead and read
2: For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death.
0: So in other words, while we were married to sin, sin worked through the law, through our passions, because what the law did was expose our passions. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not do this. And it showed we're going to go ahead and do it anyway. See, where there was no law, there was no transgression, meaning that God could not punish it. There was still sin. But God could not punish it because man had been given the had been given the law to point out that he sinned. Okay, but once the law came, it made sin even more sinful because you saw that the law was holy and it had a standard that nobody kept could keep. Not even the ones that see the, the Gentiles get a pass kind of sort of. But the Bible says there's no there's man without excuse. Nobody. But the Gentiles get a pass because they weren't given the law. But the Jews had no excuse for real. You were the ones chosen by God to carry the word and be a light to the world. And yet still you end up being the darkest thing out there. Because you let the world begin to control you. And that's the same thing in our churches. Our churches look like the world. Our churches look like the world. We've adopted the world. We, we've adopted the, the, the upside-down roles in the church, as we done said. Being a man don't mean nothing. Being a woman don't mean nothing. Everybody can just be mixed with what they want to be. But that's not God's law. That's not God's word. There's a, there's a great purpose to what he said. And he gives the reason why he wants a certain order in his church. And we still will make an excuse to I'm not going to even go there. we will make excuses for reasons why we don't follow God's order. And we damning ourselves. We got it right before us. And we still say, no, nah, that ain't what I want to do. Do what I want to do in church. Okay? You keep doing what you want to do. And everybody that's following you're going to be following right in the I feel sorry for the person who's leading people to hell. I really do. But the Bible says blind leading the blind, they both fall in the dish, so the person who follows don't get, get off either. Okay? Go ahead.
2: But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we may serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So in other
0: words, you, you're going to serve in the new way with your new husband, and it's called spirit. It's called spirit, not the flesh. Go ahead.
2: What then shall we say?
0: What is going on? How, she, how shall we deal with this? Go ahead.
2: That the law is sin.
0: Mm-hmm. By no means. By, not God forbid. Some of your Bible men say, God forbid. Don't say that. Go ahead. Yeah. If it had not
2: been for the law, mm. I would not have known sin.
0: Think about this. We'll look what Paul is saying. If the law was never presented to me, I would not have known what sin was. And you wouldn't either. You wouldn't know the stop of the stop sign unless the law said stop. this would just be a red sign. you can go on through it. You know? It's like, it's like, going to Europe, driving on the other side of the road. There's, the law says you drive on this side. In America, we drive on this side. In Europe, you drive on that side. Go over there and drive on the other side you used to, you're going to end up in an accident. Because the law over there tells us what to do. But as Americans, sometimes we think we can do anything we want to do. Because we're American. Okay, so Paul is saying I did no sin unless the law, and the law is holy. The law is not sin. It, even though it points and points out that I am a sinner it's not sin itself because our mind works if the, if it points out that I'm sin it must be sin too but sin don't point out sin do it No. only thing that point out sin is holiness, holiness. <laughs> sin don't point out sin the devil don't get on his, his demons for being bad <laughs> as long as they're being bad they're being like him the father of lies the bible said that we were once the children of the devil Okay, go ahead.
2: For I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said you shall not covet.
0: Stop right there. So I would not know how to covet if the law had said didn't say what? Thou shall not covet. What does covet mean? What? Huh? Want
1: something, someone else want. Okay. That's good. Right,
0: okay. I mean, all y'all are Playing right. Wanting
2: something that ain't yours. Wanting something that's yeah. not yours.
0: That's that's good.
1: All of y'all are. Anything else?
2: Your own experience.
0: Mix. What you mean by that? I'm curious about that. What you mean by something
1: that?
0: Uh huh. But I mean, but she said my experience. I like that. I like what you said. If you could explain it a little bit more.
1: Uh,
0: Doing it your way. Mm-hmm. Doing it my way. Yeah. Alright, alright. Well, okay, I accept all of those. Okay, go to Exodus 20 and 17. Let's let let's see what the Bible says. Exodus 20 and 17. Exodus like 20 and
1: 17.
0: Old Testament. Yeah. Exodus 20 and 17. When you get it, say amen. Amen. Let's wait for a few more amens. Exodus 20 and 17. Got it? Okay, go ahead.
2: You shall not covet your neighbor's house.
0: Stop right there. So that means you should look next door and talk about they got a better house and I want their house.
2: Mm-hmm. Next. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife.
0: Oh, that means you should look at your, your, your neighbor's wife and lust after her.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Go
0: ahead. Or his male servant. Or anybody that's affiliated with them that you may want to affiliate with to the point that you are willing to take from them, steal from them, and rob them of what dutifully belongs to them. When Curly said experience, sometimes you're coveting stuff so much that you don't covet God's experience enough. So you're you're looking for a different kind of experience. You're looking for a different kind of high. You're looking for a different kind of spirit. You're doing you're doing stuff you're, like you said your way. You want to approach God in your way because we say you come as you are but see you don't understand what we're saying you're looking carnally we don't mean come as God that you get to do your thing with God and you get to come at him like you want to we're saying you come to him as a sinner like everybody else okay see a carnal man would say well see you said come as you are and I could disrespect God no you can't because you're coveting your old ways some of you in this room and around the world since since a lot of people listen some of you are sitting here and y'all got ways and this is how I come out. This is how it comes out. I ain't gonna let nobody. Y'all put whatever you want to put behind. I know I'm right. But does the Bible say you're right? Or do you covet your way? If the Bible says forgive and you don't forgive, I don't care how much, snap put you on the finger, popping it. You are wrong. The Bible says love my enemy. We all got to work on that, but you know, if we don't try, we're wrong. We make excuses her way. And a lot of times what we use to do, to stay in our way is fear. fear. See, we can use stuff to stay in our way. We can, you, we can put up a whole bunch of things, reasons why we can't. And that'll keep us doing what we want to do. It'll never give us a chance to move towards God. Our ego will keep us doing what we want to do. Selfishness will keep us doing what we want to do. Narcissism, which is a form of selfishness that's super inflated, it's all about us for real, but we say things to make it about others. But it's really not. It's about what we think and what we know and what we're going to do and all that. See too much of us and not enough of God. Yeah, but we're supposed to be married to God. We're supposed to be following what He said. in every situation, not when we choose to, and especially when we do it when we want to do it our way. We quiet ourselves and say, "God, do you want me to do this?" Don't covet, but covetness starts in the mind. Before you actually go do something, it first has to be in your mind to do it. So I could cover your car and you wouldn't even know it. Because coveters don't always raise its head. Sometimes it raises when it's too late. I done did something to put you in a situation where I can get your car. Or the wife could get the husband. Uh, you know, in church, I've seen it in church for men and women say this. So-and-so supposed to be my husband. <laughs> And that man still, woman still married. All <laughs> oh, that person about to get married. he's talking about that'll to be my husband? So <coughs> you coveting. And God say, don't do that because it's an abomination to Him. All right. Did you finish seventeen? Uh, no, I didn't. Go ahead.
2: Or his female servant, mm-hmm. or his ox, mm-hmm. or his donkey, mm-hmm. or anything that is your neighbor's.
0: So in other words, don't covet nothing that don't belong to you go to exodus 34 and 24. so this was Paul realized in this we don't know which one Paul did what Paul said I didn't realize that I did that till I read till I understood the law but guess what Paul didn't understood the law till he was exposed to grace because he was a Pharisee so he knew this but he had nothing to compare it to so now, when I see this and I look at what I do, I'm like, whoa. Thank God for grace. Because if you seriously say you don't want, well, sometimes you ain't never wanted what somebody else got, you lie. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the truth ain't in you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I ain't never wanting what somebody, that use a lie.
1: <laughs> why are you saying that? Yeah, why
0: would you even say something like that?
1: You know, part of our, what we did on Sunday at mm-hmm. our women's meeting. Mm -hmm. She passed on a sheet of paper and and we had to circle the, it was envy, strife, um, jealousy, Mm -hmm. adultery, sexual immorality. We had to circle, well, like a couple of us only circled one or two. But then when she got to explain and stuff, we were like, okay, let's just circle the whole thing. Yeah, there you go. Amen. (laughs) Might as well be honest with yourself. And that's what she kept saying. Be honest. And once she started explaining, it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, yeah.
0: Okay, let's look at Exodus 34 24.
2: For I will cast out nations before you and enlarge your borders. No one shall covet your land when you go up to appear before the Lord your God three times in a year.
0: So we're telling the Jews, You do what I say, and you won't have people coming after your land. But we know they didn't do what he said. So, what ended up happening, people coveted what they had. Okay? Let's look at another thing about coveting. Go to Deuteronomy 5 and 21. And 5 and 21 is almost like what we read in Exodus. Go ahead. Deuteronomy 5 and 21. Okay.
2: And you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's it. So you don't desire. Go to Deuteronomy 7, 25. So Paul knew he did all this stuff. We don't know which one he, he did the most of, but we, Paul is saying, I didn't realize... That I was a lawbreaker until I really understood what God showed me. What God showed Paul when he was on that road to Damascus was how much he offended God in his religious self. Paul said, "I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I was circumcised on the eighth day. I know the tribe I was from, from Benjamin. But see, all that lineage, all that religion, you still couldn't keep the law." You uh, just said seven. Uh, seven Deuteronomy seven twenty-five. Go ahead and read it
2: the carved images of their gods you shall burn with fire you shall not covet the silver or the gold that is on them or take it for yourselves lest you be ensnared by it for it is an abomination to the Lord your God
0: so anything that you covet that the Lord say don't is an abomination to the Lord and you're coveting their idols. You're looking at people in idol worshiping them and not worshiping who you're married to. And God's saying, that's an abomination to me. You are insulting my blood. You are insulting my sacrifice when you go after other gods or other forms of religion. We have a scripture that tells us what if we want to practice religion, what to do, don't we? James 1, 26 and 27. If you want to practice religion, it is this. Most churches ain't doing that because they will do everything else. They want to have banquets and feasts and honor ceremonies and all this stuff as if God is pleased with that and God said that's just another form of covetousness. Yeah. It's just another form of idolatry. You're trying to present to me something that has tainted. When you come to me as a, as, a, as a person and say, we walk the truth, you say, well pastor, can we do something? That's fine. Was it that your thought or you looking at somebody else's church and saying we can do the same thing they do? Well, that's what we used to do at such and such and such and such. So, God wasn't impressed with it. then. He ain't going to be impressed when we copy off him. I'm not saying, and, and I want y'all to understand this, I'm not never saying we don't need to, need to do what we do. I'm just saying, put it in perspective. Why are we doing it? Why are we doing it? What's the point of having something called harvest when there ain't no souls came in by us? What are we harvesting? Nothing. And we pat each other on the back. And I guess I've been to so many banquets in church. There's like some all this food, all this stuff. Was anybody thinking about maybe inviting some homeless people in here? They ran outside the door. No, we we turn our nose up and then we say in church with our pious platitude, we look at the back door and say, the homeless and the prostitutes and the down and try and go come through that door and we are gonna be ready for them. No, you don't. You don't really want them in the church. Everybody says that, but do we really want them sitting next to us? Okay, go back to Romans. We almost done. The next
1: go ahead. Well, she had read out
2: the Can you she can read the next scripture?
0: On what? Deuteronomy. Yeah, okay like, go ahead
2: fact, said, uh, uh, go ahead 26 and you shall not bring an abominable thing into your house and become devoted to destruction like it you shall utterly detest and abhor it for it is devoted to destruction
0: okay well God says what he's just, in Joshua there was a point where uh, Achan stole what God said go conquer the city and burn up everything mm-hmm. what he did was covet. We learned that in Joshua. He coveted the thing that God said. God said, burn every child, burn every man, burn every animal and take the gold and the silver and put it in the storehouse. What Achan did was he did everything, but he went and got the gold and the silver and put it in his room. And God said, look, what is devoted to me, you do what I God is telling you, do what he tells you to do with and what and what he tell you to get rid of, get rid of. That's why you put sin to death. God says sin is an abomination to him and sin is simply not doing what God has told us to do. So what God say don't do it, why are you still doing it? Because you haven't put the death to sin. You, you're still married to the sin. You can hide it from me, but you can't hide it from him. And sometimes we end up getting back into sin because we got a bad attitude about stuff and we figure, well, shoot, it didn't work out the way I wanted so I'm going back and do what I used to do. I'm going to go back and do Skrull. I'm going to go back. You know what? So-and-so that made me mad, I'm going to go back and do what I want to do. I might as well, because God ain't blessing me. God ain't doing what I want him to do for me. Well, God already know your heart. He You wasn't doing it anyway. Right. He wasn't ready to give it up. You wasn't ready to give it up anyway. All he did was prove to you that you wasn't ready by the test. That thing turned temptation, you fell for it. Because he didn't move. See people come to church all these false preachers that everything ain't going to be right. And we sometimes when they get the impression I always tell them if you think it was bad when you was with the devil not you with God watch the devil come at you now. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't the devil coming at you it was you. You sick and tired of being sick and tired. Okay. Back to Romans 7. When
2: you- I got it. I got it. <laughs> But sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me all the all kinds of covetousness. For apart from the law, sin lies dead.
0: So apart from the law, if there's no law, sin lies dead. But when I when I when I found out what the law was, sin became alive, and I looked at myself, and I said, and Paul didn't say just one thing. He said it brought all sorts of covetousness in me. I would love to see what that was with Paul. What are you talking about, Paul? Well, you were you over looking at, at somebody else's wife? You know, God can use anybody if He chooses, Paul. But Paul is admitting that he's not perfect, and so should you. Quit acting like you felt that you that you've been on the holy train all your life. You still learning too. You still you still got some ways to go too. And if he has to keep, if he has to take your life before you think you finished, remember when he take your life, you finished.
1: Right.
0: Whatever you learned, you learned. Whatever you didn't learn, it's too late now. Too late. But at least you know you're going to heaven. Okay. So Paul saying, once I saw the law, it, it 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 made sin more sinful. which he's gonna say? Go ahead.
2: I was once alive apart from the
0: law. I was doing cool with religion. I was doing cool with the banquets. I was doing cool with that. the ceremonial stuff. But what?
2: But
0: when the commandment came... When the commandment came... Sin
2: came alive... uh And I died...
0: And you died... Now sin once came alive... And I'm dead... I died because I was married to sin... And sin brings about death... Now look at Paul... Paul you should have understood this already... He couldn't see it because he was blinded by religion... Religious folk can't see spirit... Religion is carnal... That's why God says. If you want to do religion, practice this. He gave us what to do physically mm-hmm. as a religion, but we do what we do everything else. Yeah. Standing at the door, white gloves on, coming up here, marching a certain way—all that is <coughs> is religious church. Don't impress God. I'm not saying it's not orderly. I'm not saying it's not good. I'm just saying don't use that as the as your badge ah. of honor. Say, God, I died today. I wore my gloves every first Sunday. <laughs> I wore a black suit every first sunday right. he goes i never required that you do that well, where's your heart at right. all right go ahead we' almost done
2: the very commandment that promised life proved to be death to me mm-hmm. for sin seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through and through it killed and and through it killed me mm-hmm so the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, and righteous and good.
0: So they're righteous and good, but?
2: Did that which is good then bring death to me? Mm. By no means. It was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin, and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure.
0: hmm it's sold out. It says that through the law, once I recognized what the law did, it let me realize that sin not only is it sin, but it becomes sinful beyond measure. That means once you begin to, when we live the path of sin, we don't know how far that thing going to take us. It's beyond our measure. But the same thing with holiness. So we're going to stop there. And we're going to review, we're going to go back to, and then I'm going to talk about that some more. But you have to understand. Where there's a stop sign, we know many people run it every day. Where there's the law that says drive 35, everybody want to do 45. Why? Because we're lawbreakers by nature. And we're more comfortable breaking the law than obeying the law. Matter of fact, I watch people get frustrated when they have to obey the law. They get antsy, they get nervous because they're like, this ain't what I want to do. But the law is righteous and good and it keeps you from having accidents you, you might not have. You know, you currently notice you drive five more miles an hour, you're a different kind of car now. Yeah. You're a different kind of projectile now. You're five miles fast. You say, oh, that ain't nothing. But see, five miles may make the difference you're killing somebody or not. But we are simply in a position where we have to understand what the law's purpose was. The point I'm seeing to make it sinful. You need to underline it. That's all its purpose was. It was not to make us holy. That was not the avenue to which the Jews were supposed to be made holy. It was the avenue, the Moses law. All all it did was prove to them over and over again that they needed grace. But they wouldn't receive grace because they felt because they were given the law they were more important to everybody but they became the example of darkness rather than the example of light. And so in the church either we're going to be the example of light living under grace, be the light of grace understanding the law and its, and its ability to show that we can and then point people to who can which is Jesus under the power of the Holy Spirit that's in us. So we put to death we, 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 we put to death who we were married to, we buried them we gave them a funeral and now we never look upon that grave again because in that we're remembering that person of death and sin we also have a, have a proclivity to hop in the grave with them again. So we move on to light. Light is tough. Light is hard. Light, light is not easy. Doing what's right is doesn't come natural. But it can be conquered by the high power of the Holy Spirit. So now we go on from sanctification to glorification. He's finishing up telling us the about the process, what it produces. It produces life. It produces Hello, this is Pastor Jay with Walk of Truth Radio Podcast. And I want to invite all those within the St. Louis metropolitan area and around the world to come worship with us every Sunday at 8 a.m. at the Universal Church of Jesus Christ building, located at 2301 Wallace Avenue, Overland, Missouri, 63114. We also have our Rescue Addiction Recovery Program on Mondays from 7 p.m. until 8 p.m. Our Bible studies are held every Tuesday at 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. You can also catch us, follow us and subscribe to us on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter. Please come out and join us. Follow us. Follow our podcast. But most of all, get saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost. And always remember, walk in truth. And if you'd like to contact me by email, you can do so by going to Ministries at yahoo.com or w-i-t-m-i-n at yahoo.com Thank you and bless you and we look forward to worshiping and fellowshipping with you. Peace.